Good morning or good evening. It's almost midnight on Thursday, November the 3rd, 2022. Yes, indeed, almost midnight and the creatures are howling. Can you hear them? And the, you know darkness of the night darkness of the night those crazy creatures are howling and wailing so for purposes of this podcast let's pretend it's friday because even though technically it's thursday and it's november the 3rd around 11:30 p.m. it's soon to be midnight it's soon to be the morning time of friday what november the 4th <laughs> Remember, remember, no, we're not going there, not with that mind fuck. Um, yeah, it is almost Friday. Almost Friday, November the 4th, 2022. And some of you are already making plans for the holidays, you're preparing your menus, you're deciding what type of scrumbly meat to serve. Whether to have Mrs. Fitzgibbon's pudding this year. You know, you want it. You're back from college. She taught English Lit. You know how you loved it. Mrs. Fitzgibbon's pudding. Yes, indeed. You're making out your menus. You're figuring out who you're going to invite. You might even be trying to rope or hoodwink or rook somebody you know into going back to Seattle for Thanksgiving. Not me, of course. I'm not crazy. But there are people out there that are pretty frickin' crazy, baby. So maybe. 
We got some snow the other day. Now, when I say snow, because this is a podcast, you can't see me making sarcastic fingers, but we've had a few weeks now of just really off-the-hook spraying, and out of all that came this little residue of what I'm going to call snow. But it's, it's not like snow. It's not the stuff you should actually ever, ever, ever let your kids eat. And it was gone about as quickly as it arrived. Um, it was gone within a few hours. And, uh, yeah, you know, the temperatures are getting cooler, but <sighs> there are these really wild swings in temperature where if it just, you know, suddenly clears up for an hour or so, it gets pretty warm. And again, I'm new to the high desert. This this could all be perfectly normal. Something tells me it's not, but we'll see, okay? But yeah, we got a little bit of snow the other morning. It arrived. It sublimated. It really didn't melt. Kind of like dry ice. got some snow. And I had a weird thought the other day, and some of you will call me crazy. You will claim that there's something wrong with me, and there might be. But it's it's just a weird thought. It's a weird, paranoid thought. I am telling you up front as a listener, the thought I'm about to explain, I'm perfectly, perfectly okay with self-describing as paranoid. And so I'm throwing it out there. But I had this weird thought the other day, and it wasn't just the other day. I've had this thought a few times since 2018. And let me explain what I mean. In the summer of 2018, there was about six weeks where it was just, you know, if you lived in Seattle or in western Washington, it was simply hard to fucking breathe. It was hard to breathe. And yeah, there were lots of fires. That's a factor. I grew up in western Washington. So when people say, well, Dan, it was just fire season. I grew up in western Washington. We had fire season when I was a kid. This was worse than that. This was pretty bad. Um, This was bad enough that I can tell you that there was something wrong. And one of the factors was is that there just didn't seem to be enough oxygen you know, enough oxygen, which you you need oxygen, by the way. You need to have oxygen to breathe. You don't want too much CO2 for other reasons or carbon monoxide, but you definitely need oxygen is my fucking point, you know. So for about four years, um, I've had this thought that what if, and again, big what if, But what if the amount of available oxygen in the atmosphere is going down? Now, a couple things. Percentages matter, okay? Uh, You could say, well, Dan, it might only be 
uh, you know, drop by whatever, one or two percent. It's like, listen, buddy, I'm going to remove one or two percent of your body right now, kind of randomly. How is that going to work out? It might be okay. But the point is, these percentages matter. One or two percent could be significant. One or two percent could be the difference between somebody living or dying if they suffer from COPD or asthma or, you know, for any number of other reasons. Just they're old. And when you get older, your lungs don't work as well for all sorts of reasons. So the weird paranoid thought I had, and I'm not asking you to verify or email me or cheer me up or tell me, oh, Dan, you're full of shit. I'm freely admitting this is a weird paranoid idea. But the idea I have is what if, you know, and it's become very noticeable in the last five years, but what if worldwide levels of of oxygen in the atmosphere... Um, it's dropping and, and maybe it's even more regional. Like maybe some areas are worse than others. Again, crazy thought, next topic. So I am currently between jobs and this is not your problem, but I do sometimes request donations and I've got some donors that are just unbelievably generous and I kind of have to tell them up front, please don't, you know, do it again because I kind of feel bad about it. On the other hand, I wish I had um, better representation on the internet. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. But the bottom line is, for lots of reasons, I don't. I don't have what they call proliferation. And I, and I don't want to go into why. It's not really relevant. But what I can tell you is that I'm heading back to Seattle for Thanksgiving and in order to do this successfully and not go insane, I need something called emergency cocaine. Emergency cocaine, man. I need emergency cocaine. Um, it's the only way I'll be able to do it. And, and that's not cheap. I've never bought cocaine before, but I'm guessing it's expensive. Everything's more expensive. And before you say, Dan, I'm not going to donate money to your podcast, even if I like it, so you'll go buy some cocaine. Brothers and sisters, you do you. I mean, of course, I am probably joking. I am probably joking right now. I'm probably totally joking. Totally joking. But I would like to raise some money so I'm not too much of a burden on my family while I'm there for a couple weeks. Um, I, I'm going to try to reach out to some people I know there. I would tell you if you're a listener, hey man, shoot me an email and maybe we can hook up. But I don't know. These are paranoid times for me. Um, I'm not having a real good time with trust for all sorts of reasons. I, I could list them for you, but I've done that before. I have a podcast from a few months ago called, Are You Paranoid Enough? And my general answer is probably yes and no. Like, 
we all have to live and we all have to try to be happy. And in order to, to live and be happy, you have to have money and jobs and pay for food and crap. That's just life. You know, nothing is or should be free. But by the same token, life as we understand it, as crazy as you think maybe the last couple years have been, has barely begun to change. And it's about to rapidly change in ways that I think, best case scenario, are going to be shocking to people. In fact, you can already see the indications that on some level people get it. It's why all the cargo cult stuff is becoming so hyperbolic. You know, if you don't vote this year, the world will blow up. You know, the Democrats are saying if you don't vote for Democrats, the Republicans will round you up and shoot you. I mean, it gets to be a bit funny when the Democratic Party is sounding like Alex Jones. It's pretty funny if you ask me. Funny time. You know, pretty funny time. Pretty funny. The Democratic Party is sounding like Alex Jones. They, they are professing theories of mass murder based upon who gets elected. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't fucking matter. You go and you go vote. If you're doing it by mail, I don't care. I don't care if you do it and you're all dignified. I don't care if you sit in your underwear on your couch all sweaty and smelly. You, you just finished masturbating. You rub some of your semen on it and you send it through the mail. I don't care. I don't care if you go into a booth a booth, a magical booth, and you vote there, man. You go ahead and you you do that hanging Chad bullshit. You go ahead. I don't care. Um, I am telling you something that will make no difference and I believe is true and and it's not something anybody really wants to hear, especially in the United States of America at this point. But it does not matter who you vote for. I, I think it's, you know, entirely plausible that the Republican Party sweeps the House and the Senate. And the, the reason why I say it's plausible isn't because I think any of the numbers are real. I don't. I don't think the voting works. But in terms of the narrative, um, it's one of those moments where you got to throw them a bone. It's like Trump. Trump was a bone. You know, I, I'm of the opinion that the people, quote unquote, who run things understood the trajectory years ago. And maybe the trajectory was collapse of the dollar. And that's brothers and sisters going to be bad enough. And for all you out there, oh, Dan, look how strong the dollar is against all these other currencies. Ha <laughs> ha. That strength is a weakness. You know, you could call that super stability, but if you think that's a situation that's going to remain true, that we're going to have a super strong dollar as the as basically the rest of the world gets ground to financial dust, that's not likely. That's not the future. I'm going to tell you something that's going to sound counterintuitive, but the stronger the dollar gets, the closer we get to the fucking end. 
And that is best case scenario. Things are about to change in a big way. And so people are struggling for whatever cockamamie theory they can come up with. I don't care if it's we're going to vote for Republicans, vote for Democrats. I don't care if it's the Green Revolution nonsense and the fucking COVID bullshit that never fucking dies. Everybody has a theory. Everybody has a lesser catastrophe. And it's all designed right now so that they can psychologically endure another fucking day of this bullshit. But best case scenario, all of that is going to change. And it's not going to be linear. And it's not going to be, you know, oh, the government sent us a warning. Like what? 9-11? Like the collapse of the Soviet Union? Oh, yeah, there was that housing crisis, huh? The government's not going to send you any fucking warning. Even if they knew, they're not going to tell you. So it's going to be like being punched in the face for a lot of people. That's how shocking it's going to be. And like Mike Tyson once said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And I think that's generally true. A lot of people, a lot of people bought into this idea that following the 2008 financial crisis, that everything got fixed. It didn't get fixed. We simply found a part of the carpet we could sweep more garbage under. But nothing ever got fixed, ever. You know, if you ask me, we've been in a papered over depression since at least 2009, okay? Yeah, they printed a lot of money and they've done a lot of dealing and wheeling and whatever and they've certainly done what they can to dump the consumer side of inflation on a lot of poor people in other countries. But the bottom line is we've been in a depression. So what the fuck is a recession from a depression? Folks, it's called collapse and that's best case scenario. And that's right around the fucking corner. And we have not seen anything yet. Okay? I am, to some extent, surprised there's still as much food as there is. Like, in terms of going to a grocery store. But I shouldn't be surprised, because I live in Rome. And Rome will always get from the provinces what Rome needs. Rome will be the last to starve. So I live in Rome just like you do if you live in the United States of America. And the provinces will always starve first. For obvious political reasons, motherfucker. You gotta keep those Romans happy. They've been known to kill a bitch. To come up to you, you know... Maybe in the Senate, they got their knives in their little paws, they're all greasy, and they're angry at you. They're angry at you. They're pissed off at you. Yeah, Rome will be the last to starve. So one of the things I didn't really fully um, factor in to the whole thought process. And this is why I give myself a B and not an A with respect to the predictions I made in 2019. One of the things I didn't factor in it was the extent to what, you know, they might be prepared for this. Like to the extent that we might be eating out of warehouses at this point in the United States. Who knows? We'll find out, I think, very, very soon. 
I think it'll be in the next couple years. They've stretched it out far enough that I will say maybe it's not the next couple months. Maybe it is a couple years. I don't think it's a couple years, but I'm kind of surprised the plates are still spinning. And they're, and it's still, you know, it's still happening. Maybe it is very, very near. Maybe they decide to pull the rug out, to tip over the table. Maybe they decide to have a little bit of nuclear war. Who the fuck knows? People like us will not be told. You will get no warning. So live your life. You know, if you want to enjoy the fullness of bread, do it. Do it while the bread is still full. You know, enjoy it while you can. But I am heading back to Seattle and I don't know if I'm getting emergency cocaine or not, but I wouldn't mind raising some extra money. So if you're out there and you, you've already taken care of your food, your water, your shelter, you've taken care of your pets, you've gotten them food too, you know, not just you the six months, but six months for your dog, or your cat, you know, something to think about. If you've done all those things, you've helped the people you love and care for, and you still have two or three quarters left over, you can always donate. Click on the link. It's a PayPal link until they cancel me. We'll talk about that next. So about a year ago, GoDaddy stole my website, all my domains, and ripped me off of prepaid fees. And... If you're asking, well, Dan, how can that be legal? You know, if you still if you still believe in a rule of law in 2022, Bo Blimp Doc, God bless you, but you're so full of fucking shit. Okay? Sorry. That that did not work. That whole promise that lawyers would be there to protect you. After 2020, you should have figured out that was bullshit. But again, I can't help you. I cannot help you if you need to be in that world, blah, blah, blah. But about a year ago, I got ripped off by GoDaddy, the corporation. And so I moved my website, what I could move, to Bluehost. And, you know, at first, Bluehost was okay. And if you're going to say, well, Dan, Bluehost is no good. You know, maybe they're, they're all, maybe all of it is no good. But I have noticed in recent weeks that my site is becoming unstable in the way that it became unstable on GoDaddy. And again, I don't know why. I can't really contact any real help at Bluehost. I don't even really want to because I remember the road I went down with GoDaddy. You know, it was like they have some application for tech support called Goober. And you randomly get some dude in an alley who just got out of a bar and is wasted drunk. And, you know, Goober, you pick up the phone. Oh, hey, this is Roger from, you know, Brabastan. And I'm going to help you with Blimmy. And yeah, you got a problem your website, fuck you, click. I mean, that was my tech support from GoDaddy. It was amazingly shitty. And by the way, when I started with GoDaddy in 2010, it wasn't this bad. You know, if you want an example of something that went downhill, GoDaddy tech support went downhill. In 2010, 2011, I would have told you they were pretty decent. Maybe even up to 2013 or 14. But I got to tell you, in the last five or six years, they've turned to shit. But what was the coup de grace, or what was the final straw, or what was the giant fucking fuck you to Dan, a customer who'd been a customer of GoDaddy's for, you know, pretty much a decade plus, 
was when they stole my website and all my IP when they ripped me off. And I'm starting to see the same pattern on Bluehost. I'm going to tell you something. This whole Elon Musk taking over Twitter bullshit, I created a test account the other day. It lasted about 45 fucking minutes before it got locked. I have a, a friend of mine who said really vile anti-government shit. I mean, he's talked about killing police people, police officers on my podcast. And this friend of mine has had an unsullied Twitter account since I think 2009. I think I've had at least a Twitter account for every year since 2012. Maybe four or five. And at first, when I went on Twitter, I just wanted to communicate with people. And what I found out immediately is that for some people, that would not be allowed. So when people say to me things like, Dan, why doesn't your podcast do better? It seems like it should. A lot of things probably should be different. But this isn't a free society. And if you want to talk about censorship, let me be so bold to explain the following. Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, the major tech companies, they suckle upon the tit of the big government. So if you want to somehow pretend that the censorship is, well, it's just corporations, you know, doing their own thing, and no, it's the government. If you think Elon Musk is really going to create a free speech platform on Twitter, I think you're fooling yourself. But what I can tell you is it's more bullshit to keep people confused. You know, at this stage in the game, I joke about there being a couple more years before things really go sideways. I just don't know, folks. I mean, with super stability, it can seem as if things can go on forever. That is an illusion. That is the state of your engine before it explodes. But with super stability, it seems like things are just fucking great. And right now, people want to pretend that, well, oh my God, it's going to be stagflation or hyperinflation. Folks, you have to prepare yourselves for a world where there won't be enough money to get what you fucking need. Let's say you're on a heart medication and, and you need this heart medication. And currently, who knows, because I've worked in healthcare finance, who knows who's paying what for it. But let's go to pretend land and pretend we know that the insurance company's paying a thousand bucks a month for your prescription. Okay? There won't be money to get your medicine in a couple years. Not enough. Not enough. Even if you're like super rich, there will reach a point where all this complexity will implode on everybody. It's why I mock the Democrats who seem to be stealing Alex Jones's fire on the whole, oh my God, if the, Dem if the Republicans win, they're going to be like rounding us up. The reason why I mock that shit is a lot of Democrats believe that crap, just like they believe the Putin, Putin, Putin bullshit. They need to. They cannot live with the possibility that this stupid ass fucking failure of a society is heading for a fucking cliff. Everybody wants to play pretend. You know, there's going to be FEMA camps. There's going to be buses and trains. Nobody. There's going to be no fucking fuel for the buses or the trains. And who the fuck is going to ship you anywhere to feed you? Nobody. Nobody. All your fantasizing 
about dark cabals coming to take you away is exactly that. And if any of you out there are Mr. and Mrs. Hanlon's razor, understand this. One of the reasons why it's going, is it's going to implode is because of the level of stupidity. Yeah, there's evil there too, but there's a lot of fucking stupid. And if you think smart people can't be stupid, then that's one of those beliefs that's going to be proven wrong soon enough. Smart people, quote unquote, you know, intelligent yet idiot. Yeah, they exist. They're everywhere. Um, bargaining. Bargaining, bargaining for lesser catastrophes. And all I can tell you right now is, if you really do believe that it's going to be stagflation or hyperinflation, but your retirement funds are safe and you're good to go, but you like my podcast, then donate a lot. Like, measure your optimism by how much you want to donate. I'm serious. If you really think everything's going to be just fucking fine, then take your gold and your silver and your diamonds and your cocaine. Take your key to your Rolls fucking Royce. Give me your fucking condo. I don't know if I'll live there, but I'll sell it for hookers and cocaine. I don't know. I don't talk about the, the donation part of this very often because I don't feel comfortable doing it. I don't think anybody has a lot of money. And I don't think any amount of money is going to change my situation, really. I mean, if I had a ton of cash, I guess I would buy a home. But that's never going to happen. I mean, the reality is I'm probably looking at the end of the tunnel for myself, for my life. And, and truly... I'm okay with that. I don't want to die. I don't want to go away. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to starve to death. But these are things that happen to people every fucking day. And if you're not okay with it, then you're probably not okay with Planet Boblimptock. Next topic. Here's a quote from Shakespeare. Denmark is a shitty place with crappy people living in it. I don't know if I should beat up on Denmark, you know. I'm I don't know. I know some people that are kind of Danish and that's kind of okay. I I don't know. It's funny. It's like if someone to say, "Dan, are you racist?" and it's like, "Well, if hating Denmark counts, then maybe, right?" But to me, hating Denmark is just essentially rational. You know, it's like when an intelligent person reaches that conclusion, you know, you just reach that conclusion when you turn 13. That, you know, water is wet. Fire. Fire burns. Love is hard. Love is painful. And Denmark sucks. <laughs> you, just, you just realize that at a certain point, so I don't know. There's, there's some lines from Hamlet about Denmark. And I, I think Hamlet is set in Denmark, is it not, you know? Elsinore? Anyways, um, 
And the Danish people don't come off very well in terms of like depicting them. They're kind of crazy, kind of sullen and depressed. They're kind of depraved. That's Hamlet in a nutshell. In fact, if you want to think about it, Shakespeare is basically saying in Hamlet, the entire play, that people from Denmark just basically suck. They're, they're constantly thinking about having sex with their parents. Their parents are constantly murdering each other to have sex with their brothers. You know, that's Denmark in a nutshell, brothers and sisters. Okay? And here comes the heating system. If you hear that noise in the background, that's what that is. It's the centralized heating, pumping heat energy throughout the house so that we can have the warmth of the heat in the coldness of winter as the bleakness of darkness comes upon us soon. The dark wind. Yes, very soon World War Three will begin. When World War Three begins, the Ching Chong forces racist, under the command of General Chang Ching, more racist. They will invade Alaska, Washington State, and California. Yes, General Chang Ching will sneak his forces in using container ships. They will pour out at the various ports of call. They will jump out of the containers all crazy. They will hunt the street wench. They will eat roaches and rats. They will ravage the countryside. And they'll open new Panda Express locations. That's if World War III starts. Russian forces will invade from Canada. Biden will wonder what kind of ice cream they're serving that day, the day that World War III begins. Yes, when it begins, when World War III begins, the Claven folk will arm themselves with Tuglin swords and mug grease. They'll wear uniforms made from dead cats. They'll carry baseball bats with large carpentry nails driven through them, you know, all crazy-like. The younger ones will carry pillowcases filled with rocks and nuts and bolts and other rusty pieces of metal they can find near the old abandoned library. Nergturgler, the Stenic Prince, he'll form an army of Castro wenches. They'll roam the countryside near Scompton, not far from where those nuns were murdered by the CIA last year. And there'll be another crispy chicken sandwich war when World War III begins. And KFC will lose bigly. All this talk of World War III and 
again, I'd be inclined to say it's probably bullshit. Like, I stick with this, I stick to what I said in the spring of 2020. They're lying to us. Um, the lies are not designed to build anything except for, you know, distrust and, and separation, but they are lying to us. They're using military psychological warfare. And the way they're using it makes it seem like they don't control the schedule, which means that maybe they had some model, some probability model that told them within this five-year window or 10-year window, some thing is going to happen. And at that point in time, it's going to be a good idea to keep people under control. Because another thing about these PSYOPs is they're designed to keep people really from taking any type of effective action. You know, you may think voting is an effective action, and I feel sorry for you. But people, for the most part, have been stunned and um, fear-mongered and tortured into a situation where basically a lot of people are just going with the fucking flow. And, and a lot of people feel so traumatized from this bullshit that they're just tired of it, you know? And as I've mentioned with respect to the little creatures, little animals, the pigeons, the rats, the dogs, the cats, that B.F. Skinner and Watson and all, all, that, all them funkin' folk tortured in their great behaviorist experiments, some of those little creatures simply went into the corner of the cage and died. And that probably never got reported. You're never going to know how many little creatures just said, you know, Mr. Skinner, Dr. Skinner, fuck you. I don't want to push the lever. I don't want another fucking bowl of your fucking food. Some of those creatures just decided to go. So a lot of people have been pummeled into a state of acceptance. And I got to say... I don't think it bodes well. I don't. All I can tell you is they don't control the schedule, which means it's a fuzzy event. And the thing about the collapse of the dollar, it would be a fuzzy event. Something you could make a guess about, but not something you could pay, say on this date, on this day, on this day in 2022 Boblimp Dock, the dollar will collapse. No, you can't do that. It's not that type of system. It's way too complex. So... You could probably say within this 10-year window, it's likely, barring some unforeseen event, but picking a date with that is impossible. And that implies, you know, that also applies, excuse me, equally well to things like earthquakes, you know, or to, in, I think to some extent, serious catastrophic events on the sun. They're, they're fuzzier events. You know, you can, you could detect an ejection of solar mass from the sun. And that would buy you maybe a few hours, maybe a few days. But it, predicting when the sun will become so unstable that it's going to eject that solar flare, that's fuzzy. You can make guesses, but you probably can't have certainty, okay? So there are many things, natural and unnatural, for which the best we can do as finite humans is simply make a guess. We can make a good guess. We can go, hey, Mr. Truman, I don't mean the president. I mean the other Harry, the Harry and his 17 cats, the guy that lives on Mount St. Helens. Hey, Harry. Hey, Mr. Truman. We are the professors of the University of Washington. 
And we have determined that Mount St. Helens is going to explode. You know? But I bet Harry had lived long enough to know that a lot of those predictions, you know, turned out to be bullshit. Of course, you know, Mr. Truman and his 17 cats in his cave filled with whiskey and cans of chili and bottled oxygen is currently circling the universe on its way back one day. Kind of like that first Star Trek movie, you know. <laughs> V'ger. V'ger's coming back. Truman's coming back and the cats are super intelligent and they've been just eating chili and he's been eating chili and frankly, you know, their chunk of rock that floats through space after Mount St. Helens exploded, it propels itself off of the fart gases coming from the cats and, you know, Mr. Truman. So here's the deal. Fuzzy events are the types of things that you can make a guess about, but you're not going to be certain about, okay? Something like a comet hitting the Earth isn't really a fuzzy event. With If you have all the right data, you can probably make a pretty good prediction about the date that comet or that asteroid's going to hit. But again, earthquakes, you know, volcanic eruptions, um, you know, solar mass events or solar mass ejection events um, that are catastrophic in nature, you can make guesses, mathematical guesses. You can't be certain. So what I see from the behavior of the powers that be is that they're not certain. They don't know the precise date. If it was really just a rug pull, we would have all gone to sleep in 2019, or at least a lot of us would, and we would have never have woken up, ever. We would have gone to sleep one night, they would have had their little nuclear war, a lot of us would be dead the next day, and it would have been all over. So whatever it is, I don't think it's nuclear war either. They could have just done that in 2019. Why would they do all the stupid shit they've done and then do nuclear war? That That's kind of stupid. You know, it seems like what they're doing with the Ukraine situation is exactly what they've been doing with the COVID. They're scaring people. And they, and they haven't stopped. So if you're asking me, are things going back to normal? The simple answer is no. If you're asking me what happens next, best case. We are looking at the train wreck of an empire. Best case, you know. But I don't think it's nuclear war. I don't think it's going to be World War III. I, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. I think that it's more likely that this is just more, you know, military psychological warfare. And that also implies that whether you like it or not, Mr. and Mrs. Democrat and Republican, whether you like it or not, it means Putin's in on it. It means the Chinese government's in on it. It basically means the governments of the world are colluding to scare people in order to manage them, to keep people from organizing any type of effective resistance against the fear campaign. And it looks like they're just trying to run out the clock. It doesn't look like they're building something towards a whatever, a new world order, it looks like they're just trying to scare people. And one of their fear machines is the one world government. You know, oh my God, they're going to have one world government. Folks, if you're in the freedom world and you believe that nonsense, you've got some problems with the way you see things. I have no doubt they can do crooked autocracy schemes. They've been doing that for thousands of years. But complexity 
and the absence of liberty does not scale. Okay, that particular pyramid is unstable and anything built on top of it is almost going to immediately collapse. It's like that Jim Rickards guy and he's kind of a CIA spook shithead. He's constantly talking about, well, they're going to go to the basket of currencies and blah, 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 the SDR. He's full of shit. Complexity does not scale. What is about to happen is going to be some sort of implosion. And the only question I ask myself and the only question that keeps me up at night, is that as bad as it is? Because if it's that bad, it's going to be bad. And okay, get prepared for it. And I've, and I've been talking about this for a couple of years now, so I just am tired. You, you figure out what that means. Get prepared for it, all right? Get ready for it. If you don't know how to purify water, figure that shit out immediately because you can live without a lot of things for several days, if not weeks, but water is not one of them. So there's stuff you can do if you want to protect yourself and your family. But if your solution is believing in the retirement fantasy or the it's, a, it's going to be stagflation and somehow the government will do some sort of Keynesian nonsense to save us. No, folks. I don't know if Jerome Powell knows what's going on. But sometimes when I think about his statements and the policies of the Fed since 2019... It seems like his only order, his simple order, the only order he has to follow right now is keep the fucking plate spinning as long as possible. There's no escape strategy. There's no soft landing. What's the soft landing? Oh, they figured out that terminal interest rates will reach 4 or 5%. Well, if inflation is still 8 or 9 or 10 or 15%, it doesn't fucking matter. And inflation is already probably beyond the control of the Fed. So all this haggling and, you know, hand-wringing and sadness and despair over the fact that, you know, Powell has raised rates to 4%. Oh my God, folks. That should also indicate to you that we're not at the beginning, we're at the end. This is the end. Okay, the future of the dollar is done. Powell knows this. If he raises rates too much at this point, that will push probably most of the world to immediately drop the dollar for the simple fact that it will become unusable as a financial instrument. For all you people out there, well, look at how strong the dollar is. It's a wrecking ball to everybody else. And, and that only gets worse. Powell knows this. That's why, yeah, they'll probably do these rate raises, these half a, half a percent you know, a quarter of a percent, maybe even 75 basis points, they'll do these probably for the, for the, you know, continuing near future, but it has no end game. If Powell stops raising rates and we go back to free money policy, it's over. If he goes to a rate that would control inflation, it's over. And inflation at this point is out of control, probably to the point of shortages come next and it's over. You know, and no amount of handing out stimulus checks fixes this, folks. This is the same stupid thinking. Well, can't we just give everybody a check to make up the difference for the... No, because that simply feeds into inflation. Well, can't we just have price controls? You can do that. You can do that. 
One of the ways we would get to what I've referred to in the past as a soft civil war, not an actual civil war, not where states form armies and whatnot, which in reality means it wasn't so much a civil war as a war between nations, but that's a separate topic. Um, one of the ways we could get to a soft civil war or a soft separation would be if the government wanted to introduce price controls in the area of oil production, natural gas production, and coal. And the reason why is simply this. No matter how commie a lot of corporate America is, there are still a lot of people in the oil patches who simply won't do that toxic, dangerous shit for free. Okay, They won't do that for free. They won't burn out their retinas doing the welding for free. They won't breathe in the benzene as they do every day for free. They're not going to go down that hole for free. So if you think the people in the oil patch are going to give you free diesel fuel and gasoline and free natural gas, you are fooling yourself. And if you think you're going to magically train a bunch of freaks from the city to actually do that work, you are fooling yourself. So yeah, they could do price controls. And then almost immediately, a lot of states in this country, maybe like Texas, are going to say, fuck you. And at first, it might just be the 10th Amendment. Fuck you. 10th Amendment. Did I say fuck you? Yeah. I could see Texas doing the 10th Amendment, and then I could see an idiot in the Biden administration, well, he can do an executive order. He can do an executive order. He can order the armies of the world into Texas, and it would be over. Okay, I have jokingly called Biden the mayor of Washington, D.C. If you truly understood how weak the federal government is at this point, you would understand that that's true. Biden can threaten all kinds of bullshit. They can talk about hiring 87,000 IRS agents. It's over. Every solution they have introduces more complexity into the system. They don't have anything that reduces complexity. It's over. So no, I'm not really afraid of that. I'm kind of, you know, sometimes a bit um, sober, understanding that most of the people you call neighbors and even in a small town in Utah, I got a few neighbors. It's a sobering thought to think most of them went through public schools. Um, and, and many of them have no real ability to navigate the world of ethics or resolving, con resolving problems without you know, force, resolving conflict without force. So it is sobering to think that we're entering a period of time where the veil is removed and people will be in their ground state. And a lot of people are going to be giant pieces of shit. So no, I don't think World War III is coming. I don't. It could. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And my B goes to a C. But I don't think it's coming. I don't think there's going to be a nuclear war. It could happen, but I don't think so. The only reason they would do something like that is if they believed they needed to pull the rug. But I think the collapse of the dollar is going to be enough. I mean, something to understand is that in that world, most Americans will spend so much time just trying to survive. They're not going to have a lot of energy to hunt down the people that they hate and, and believe are responsible. And so if these people find themselves 
you know, the, the quote-unquote responsible folks with the billions, if they're able to find themselves in a bunker in, in Antarctica, they could probably sit it out for the duration. Wait about 30, 40, 50 years. It won't be them. It'll be their grandkids. But maybe their grandkids get to crawl out of a fucking hole and come back to the world. And that's just if it is the collapse of the dollar. Um, but if it's worse than that, and, and I got to say, the longer these fear campaigns last, I believe it's worse. If it's worse than that, then I think they probably figure, again, it won't matter. So next topic. So I got a quote from Dr. Freckles, and um, here it is. Don't ever do therapy over the internet, Dr. Freckles. And again, if you have to do therapy over the internet because you can't afford not to, if that is your only choice in the world, I get it, okay? It, you know, but I've been seeing a lot of these advertisements for over-the-web therapy. I don't care how good your therapist is. I really don't. To me, this would be the equivalent of the Catholic Church doing over-the-internet confession. And God forbid, maybe they're already doing it. Like, I don't know if it's already a thing, but it might be. Well, Dan, we use Secure Socket Layer. <laughs> yeah, I'm a programmer. You're full of shit. Um, none of that protects you. There is no protection. Once that data is out there, it is out there. And so if you're saying to yourself, well, I can't afford like regular psychotherapy, so the best thing I can think of right now is to do one of these internet things, but brothers and sisters, I say don't do it. Um, I know that that, I know that that's probably something that's not helpful because there's a lot of suicide helplines out there. And listen, if you're to the point where you want to kill yourself, I understand reaching out to a chat line or reaching out to a phone number. But once you start associating your credit card and a payment record and anything that would show up in a health insurance record, once you start doing that, then it does change. And all of a sudden they can say, well, you know, we'd like to let you buy a gun, but according to your, you know, therapist and whatever, the records, blah, 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 you're not, you know, stable and shit, so you don't get one. I mean, it sounds far-fetched, maybe, but if this nonsense continues, that's the kind of crap that's going to start happening. That's what happens next. If if this is just the, the, the period of, of crazy just the period of crazy that happens with every collapsing empire, then one of the things that happens next is this type of information gets used against you in a way you never expected. So my advice is be really, really fucking careful, as Dr. Freckles says, about doing psychotherapy over the internet. It is understandable if you need to go and use a chat line because you want to harm yourself or harm others. I get that. And if you need to call somebody, I understand that. But this is different. This is a kind of, um, how can I put it? It's a different kind of relationship, um, you know. And because it's a different kind of relationship and because you need to be honest in a way that is potentially harmful to yourself because it is that kind of intimate relationship I think you run a risk putting that on the internet I think you run a risk because whoever you're talking to you know 
just think about this from a grifter perspective. If, if you're a grifter or a con artist, over-the-internet psychotherapy is a goldmine for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you can pretend to be a therapist and probably manufacture all the credentials and get yourself a therapist job. So that part of it's, you know, probably a lot easier than any of the people who claim it is. Oh, we only have licensed therapists. You know, to your knowledge, right, shithead? Um, to your knowledge. Manufacturing an identity is simply about removing stop signs. If you're able to remove all the stop signs and all the cul-de-sacs, if you're able to fill out a picture, a tree of information that represents you, you can create a new identity. It takes work. It's a lot like, it's, it's very similar to writing a book. It takes effort. But if you're asking, could somebody fake an identity and become a therapist and then go on the internet and do this shit? Yes and yes. And yeah, it's probably already happening. But the other thing that, that grifters can take advantage of is all that personal information, all that personal data about you, and maybe even about the place you work, and maybe even about your friends <coughs> and your neighbors and your family. Think about all the stuff that could be funneled to a blackmail artist. I mean, the therapist could be just there listening and all kind and whatnot, and then Hey, man, I got this new patient, and boy, they're a real shithead. Why don't you blackmail them? The blackmailer could be a completely different person. Uh, just stay away from internet therapy. That's my opinion, but you do what you do. You do you. I have a note here about, you know, the FOMC, but I feel like I've already given my speeches on the Fed and Powell and the U.S. dollar. So if you want to meditate on where rates are going, I'm going to tell you something. They're probably going to keep going up at a, at a medium pace, as Adam Sandler would say, but they're going to keep going up um, probably for several months until what? Who knows? Those The plates have to keep spinning. And one of the ways to keep the plates spinning is by raising the interest rates. But if you raise them too much, the plates start dropping immediately. There are, there are going to be many lords and overlords as I drink my coffee here. There will be many lords of Boblimtok. As time unfolds the future, as the brick turns into sand, as the concrete gets pulverized into the meekest juice of the future, as the rebar falls out and becomes rustified, as the human beings, you know, sklunk their way to the nearest frung hole and start eating upon the kemptus, during those times, there will be many, many lords and ladies of Boblimtok. But here is one of these, a lesser known lord by the name of Genghis Lore. Genghis Lore walked in the sunshine with the 44 gods. When the world was new and the earth was still fresh. He hunted Skylark Pony on the plains of Tibet 
and among the Frung people he led a revolution of total satisfaction, spreading dingo crabs to every hooker and having eight ball of cocaine ready for everybody at every party. Genghis Lore ruled the 21 realms following the Atomic Wars. His lands were vast and filled with dead. He would ride his shark eagle across the territories of Yod, and nothing could stop his throng. Nothing could stop him, him and his posse. He fed on whale perch. He wore a cod piece. It was made of iron and pain. In the age of Bo Blimtok, he was the radioactive commander elite, and women sought him for his man juice. Genghis Lore took the lands east of Grinken. He managed to topple governments and take their hookers as his wives. Following the Twelfth Atomic War, all the Skrunglin folk and Skunglin folk were covered in keister oil sores. They would drain these sores and put the pus and monctus into a large pot. They would add crickets and rat parts and old-style Nally's tamales. Genghis would look upon this as a man, you know, with an appetite to swallow a landfill. Ching Chong warriors, racist, dug their tunnels and the world prepared for the 13th Atomic War. Genghis once pondered, how many more atomic wars will there be? The demon Zinder said, he said as many are as necessary for you monkeys to learn. Genghis, or Jing, as his friends called him, had three mothers and nine fathers. Their gumbo grease was mixed into a great vat, and they would spoon out gobs of the stuff with an old rusty soup ladle and pour it into their mother's zig caves, where the mixture incubulated and festered and formed strange long compounds, minerals, vitamins, and formed a breeding matrix for the clap. The women then decloaked their busty bodies and wrestled each other in the busty sauces of Tor, where Megan priests made sacrifices and the priestess guardians grew hungry for the flesh. After five months, the child would spring forth randomly from one of the three women's mester pools, and at that moment they would scream and wail and welcome the next lore or ruler of the Nugan folk. Jing, Jing could build a home out of sand and blood. Jing could transfer his thoughts into a bat and have that bat do some, you know, wild shit. 
Jing had the power of aurochs. His hands glowed white hot, and his fists were made of titanium. With every karate chop, he could split a man in half. He didn't cry. His sadness took the form of knives. Jing journeyed when he was young to the land of Vod, where the mad monk Escompton lived among coyote strippers and old frail harlots. He learned to scoop and move. He learned the way of clog. The mad monk taught Jing the power of nine perceptions and the middle world between the paint and the wall. This was Jing's new style destiny, and he could sense a weird feeling in, in his man rod. The nine perceptions or soul levels are as follows. Number one is called TLIB. This happens upon awaking into the meat world. You feel a tingle in your dinctus and your butt quivers. Your body demands the expulsion of waste but analyzes this experience, determining hard, soft conditions. Conditions for the poo. Was it burny? Was it smelly? Did it float in the pot afterwards? And what are the kinds of Indian vindaloo that produce the most satisfying body screams or bowel movements? To be in harmony with your sphincter is to achieve level one perception of TLIB. The next level of, of the nine perceptions that Jing was learning is called Agen. It's like you're up late watching Pornhub videos, mainly Ava Adams, and you feel as if you know her, that you're connected. You massage your own bougehorg and feel and great <laughs> feel the great power pull into the region of love, grease, and oil expansion. And at that moment, you are with Ava Adams, and she is rubbing coconut grease on her ample orbs and groaning and moaning your name. And as she groans and moans, you notice, you notice a substance dripping from her underwear. And this is golden and buttery. So you make popcorn after collecting the stuff. You put it on the fucking popcorn. You finish the popcorn and you awaken realizing it was all a dream. And then Kurt Cobain's ghost shows up and you play a set. That's called Augen. The third level of perception that Jing was learning is called Torino. This is the sensation of soul oneness with small furry animals, cats, dogs, sometimes hamsters. Your minds are synchronized. If they feel pain, you feel pain. If they are sad, the sadness grows in you. If they feel like pooping on the neighbor's lawn, you see where this is going. That's the third level, Torino. The fourth level of perception is called zipsomatic. This is the feeling you get when you look at your paycheck and you think, fuck, don't, I don't get paid enough. This usually results in visiting some bar after work and developing some kind of unhealthy relationship with the bartender there. You know, the one with the visible herpes. 
You end up leaving your wife and kids and moving in with a herpes woman, and life seems grand. Until a random stranger offers you a map to a gold mine somewhere in Utah, not far from Vernal. You know that place, that mass grave, where the Mormons killed them Injuns in 1896 Boblimtok? You can't find your way home. That's the way to, that's the key to Zipsomatic. The fourth level. The fifth level, the fifth level perception that Jing needed to understand is called Zugroy. Once you have an OnlyFans account, you can tap into this juice. There's an electric connection between yourself and some rando stranger peeking at your Johnson from across the World Wide Web. You sense the frustration and anger from some bogo freak living in a basement eating dongo fries and breathing lear fumes. And when the strongest becomes peaked and firm and the coop gas gets released and the freaks stop paying their credit card bills, this is the sensation of total bleakness, also known as Zugroy. That's the fifth level, baby. Now, the sixth level. The sixth level of perception that Jing needed to understand was called Pleiades. Yughounds can trace their way home no matter how far away they are from, you know, no matter where they were abandoned. They can find their owners asleep in their soft and nice little beds. They go and visit abuses upon them. They tell them of their pain as if loneliness, you know, is manifest in all consciousness. And these dogs feel it all in the worst parts of being left alone in the dark, no food, no love. This is Pleiades. That, yeah, the seventh level of, of you know, perceptual understanding is called Wehor. It's the fringe connect on your email account that sifts through player mindsets and finds true oneship. When you are one with the other and the other is connected to your lurg pipe or man tube, that moment she decides to pull a knife out from under the pillow and, you know, cut off your cock, that's when you can perceive Wehor and the great groin agony. The eighth level... The eighth level is Lurg. After the Age of Doom, when Colonel Sanders' six armies are beaten at the Battle of Denver, there comes an ape guru connected to all chimps and gorillas. His name will be Brogus, the Immense. He would tower over his contemporaries, never revealing to them the horrible truth that he was Wookiee, man-beast, Bigfoot, swamp ape. He was the thing that screamed in the Louisiana bayou, demanding justice for the dolphin. In the fragile vibration of this life, you can connect to toads. This is called Lurg. The final level of perception, the ultimate level, the one that is... Well, frankly, it builds on the other levels, and 
You know, this is also where you start paying. Yeah, we're going to be just like Scientology. <laughs> but the final level that Jing needed to learn is called Kodaruma Bumalapa. I repeat, Kodaruma Bumalapa. This is the final level. This is the ninth level. Once you've achieved the eight cornerstone perceptions and mastered oneness with small furry animals, you are ready for soul triumph vis-a-vis -vis mind worthiness. And this is the exemplar of chronic Sunday Moogvis or Dingus of Saab. In the time of Grinken, the whale beast will roam the old town and the mistress will engozzlate herself with sister wine and true worms. As if all this undulating sin were not enough, there is the tremor of Trug, and when you've incorporated all this, you can state definitely you are ready to split people in half with one karate chop and then go do some coke. That's right. That's called, you know, Kodaruma Bumalapa. Where are the harbingers? Jing yelled at the great mountain, the cliffs, the rocks, the river. He was seeking the balance of the Zinder realm, and his own codpiece was covered in fire ants, and this was uncomfortable. Why have you abandoned the swamp apes and the Nugan folk? But only silence followed as Jing laid down his head, and the sun dipped, the sun, dipped, the sun that's the big glowing orb, dipped behind the great mountain. As night fell, so Jing fell into a deep sleep. He went to a dream world where frog sailors built ships of weed and old-timey town squares were inhabited by rat soldiers and dusty old munger whores. He dreamed he was Slungus, the man-lord, the one of many hooker wives. He dreamed his hooker wives were all laid out in a gigantic bed, a bed that shook and shaked and sprayed sexual greases all over the place, ancient oils of lusty bouvulus. He dreamed of battling the old dragon of Dig, where Kundrak... The fire raider held sway, and the several armies of Wug stood fast against the Orcazone and the coming raccoon storm. And as the sun rose and dawn broke upon the plains of Goggin, Jing himself awoke with new insights and a vision to lead his tribe. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Don't be afraid to stand your ground. Don't be afraid to pack your bags. Because life has this strange dynamic, baby. That's Dr. Freckles. What does that mean? Well, I think people get obsessed with the right move. You know, there's this movie from the 90s. I think it was called The Rock. Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery are in it. And, you know, at one point, they're getting ready to do something really, you know heroic involving explosives and Nicolas Cage says something like I'll do my best and and Sean Connery looks at him as your best uh, you know <laughs> that's what losers say winners go home and fuck the prom queen I think that's what he, basically what he said here's what I'll tell you there is no magical answer when it comes to the world and this is important because you could find yourself in a situation that a lot of people have throughout history, but for a lot of Americans, they've been sheltered from. 
you could find yourself in a situation where you're going to have to leave. And if you don't leave, you'll get killed. I don't care where you live. I don't care how stable you think your city is, okay? Especially if you live in a city. You might find yourself in a situation where your smartest move is to pack up and go. And then there are other situations where the only move you have is to stand your ground. And I can't tell you which one of those you're in right now. If you live in the middle of nowhere, kind of like where I live, um, then there's, nowhere, there's really no place for me to go. I'm not going to Somalia. If you want to say, well, Dan, you should just go. You know, if I wore the uniform for a few years and I served my country, this is what I will say I have earned. My right to die here. And if I'm crazy and I talk about freedom all the time, well, gee, I thought I lived in the United States of America. You know, where for the most part, you know, decent, peace-loving anarchists can live as long as, you know, you leave them the fuck alone. And guess what? All they want to do is leave you the fuck alone. People who are actually anarchists and not paid stooges. Separate topic, right? Don't be afraid of leaving things behind. Don't be afraid of, of abandoning a collection of CDs and CD-ROMs or something. All I can tell you is that you know, in order to survive, you got to know the difference between things that have value and things that don't. And some of that is historically contingent. Some things are evergreen and, and are always going to be true. As I said, if you want to pretend the world is something else, there's one skill I would recommend to everybody. Learn how to purify water. I'm not going to talk about it right now because I have a, I have a bunch of podcasts from a couple years ago where I talk about it. You can do your own research. Learn how to do it. Learn the three-stage process. It's not very complicated. You've got one tank for settling, okay? You have another tank for treatment, and then you have a, probably, you have an activated charcoal filter as your final stage going into the stuff you're going to try to drink. Understand how to do that if you don't want to learn how to do anything else because, like I said, you can live without a lot of shit, but you're going to have to have water, you know. Water, you pretty much have to have or you start dying in a couple days, so. But Dan, I live in, I live in a place that's cold. It does not matter. It doesn't matter. Wherever you live, if you don't have access to water within a few days, at the most a week or so, Bottom line is you're going to be dead. You need water. Don't be afraid to leave things behind. Don't be afraid to stand your ground. There, there's a point at which you can't go anywhere. I'm at that point in my life. Like, if I had to, I would go up into the mountains and live. But I'm not going anywhere. There's not like another destination I'm heading to. If someone wants to knock on my door and tell me, you have to go, I don't think it's wise, but people could do that. There's just nowhere for me to go. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm actually really okay with where I'm at right now. But folks, sometimes you just have to stand your ground because you simply don't have a choice. And so if you live in the middle of nowhere and you have a cabin and the ability to grow food... Do what you can to understand that if you lose all that, you're losing a lot. And part of the way you keep things like that is, well, how can I put this? By being a part of a community. 
Because if people in your community care about you, they're probably also going to stand up for you. And needless to say, it's not simple. It's not as simple as I'll try, I'll win, I'll stand my ground, I'll, I'll run away. In a time of chaos, you have to be prepared to do a lot of things. What you should try not to do, and I think this is critical, is just don't give up your soul. You know, Have a line in the sand. I've got mine. I'm not going to be a cannibal. I'm not going to kill people to survive. That's my line in the sand. That is also why there's a chance I won't make it in the near future. Because there could be years and years and years where the only protein you're going to get is going to come from a person that somebody killed or you killed. It sounds horrible, but that's a reality that could occur. That's beyond the line for me. Okay, I, I, I couldn't live in that world. I wouldn't be able to function in that world. I would eventually probably die. I won't do certain things to just survive. That limits my likelihood of survival. But you know what? In the end, especially if you're a Christian, you need to think in terms of your everlasting life, right? And not just how you get another meal on Planet Bo Blimp Dock. Okay. Next topic. Next topic for the harlot folk, the funkin' folk, the freaks of the future. Here, yeah, here's another quote from Dr. Freckles, but I don't love it. Live free or commie. <laughs> because we all know live free or die. But I think maybe live free or commie captures it for anarchists like myself. You can choose the life of freedom, but any steps you take, and I don't care, but it's democracy. I don't give a fuck. If you've got a gang of people voting to beat somebody up, that doesn't... That doesn't have any ethical standing for me. I don't recognize your social contract, okay? If your plan is to win an election because you're afraid the other people are going to, and I quote, start shooting you and rounding you up, and I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat spouting that nonsense, you have proven that democracy is bullshit. You have proven that it really is about gang warfare. It isn't about anything else but gang warfare. So you got a choice. You can live free, which only requires one thing, for you to control your own fucking life and accept the consequences for what happens. Or you can go down this road or stay on the road of, I'm going to vote again, because this time we got a super duper contract with America. And unlike that Newt Gingrich guy, unlike that Barry Goldwater guy, I could keep going back in time, motherfucker. Unlike that other guy, it'll get it'll get done this time. We'll do it right this time. This time will be no fucking different. Okay, I'm sorry. You go, you vote. I don't care. Same motherfuckers who wear coffee filters on your fucking faces, believing what? The same nonsense you believe when you go to vote. I don't care. This is the stupid shit you're doing to get by. I don't fucking care. Next topic. So, have you ever heard of a mulligan? What's a mulligan? Well, a mulligan is a second chance to do something. Usually, the, if the first time something went wrong. You know, people who do golf know mulligans. You know, in golf, you know, a mulligan... It lets you do the thing over. You get a do-over. You get to replay a stroke. 
Yeah. Um, and it's technically against the formal rules of golf. Like, it's not something I think you get to do if you're if you're competing. I don't think Tiger Woods gets to do a mulligan. I could be wrong. Maybe even in competition they allow a certain number of mulligans. But the key thing is a mulligan's a do-over. And, and nobody really knows, you know, where mulligan came from. Um, it's possible the earliest use of the term was in the D Detroit Free Press back in 1931. It's also possible that this guy named David B. Mulligan, a Canadian golfer, was responsible for it because he beat this young kid, you know, who worked at a golf course nearly to death one night when he got really drunk. I don't know. We don't know. You can research, you know, all the bullshit Mulligan crap out there. But the key thing is, it's a really funny sounding word for something that I believe is ethically questionable to be applied in all cases. You know, this idea of a do-over. It's a lot like, when you think about it, the everybody gets an A. Now, I'm going to read you an article. This is an article from The Atlantic. This article was published recently, and the title of the article is, Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty. Let's Focus on the Future and Fix Problems We Still Need to Solve by Emily Oster. This is published in The Atlantic. This was published in the last week, okay? I think it was published, you know, a week ago or something. In April 2020, with nothing else to do, my family took an enormous number of hikes. We all wore cloth masks that I had made myself. We had a family hand signal, which person in the front would use if someone was approaching on the trail and we needed to put on our masks. And once, when another child got too close to my four-year-old son on, on a bridge, he yelled at her, social distancing. These, per these precautions were totally misguided. In April 2020, no one got the coronavirus from passing someone else hiking. Outdoor transmission was vanishingly rare. Our cloth masks made out of old bandanas wouldn't have done anything anyway. But the thing is, we didn't know. We didn't know. I have been reflecting on this lack of knowledge thanks to a class I'm co-teaching at Brown University on COVID. We've spent several lectures reliving the first year of the pandemic, discussing the many important choices we had to make under conditions of tremendous uncertainty. Some of these choices turned out better than others. To take an example close to my own work, there is an emerging, if not universal, consensus that schools in the U.S. were closed for too long. The health risks of in-school spread were relatively low, whereas the costs of, to students' well-being and educational... You know what, folks? I don't want to read the rest of this fucking nonsense. I'm, I'm so fucking tired of it. I have a link in the notes. If you want to read this bullshit, rationalization bullshit, oh my God, we have to somehow forgive the people who did all this stupid shit, you, you go ahead and do that. You go ahead and go down that process of reading this article and convincing yourself that these people get a mulligan. They don't. They don't. They don't. None of them do. The journalists don't. The lawyers don't. The scientists don't. None of these motherfuckers do. They don't get that. That's not going to happen. You might want to click your heels together and play pretend. And you might want to pretend that the rest of us will forget. But I'm not forgetting. And... Even though I might want to forgive you, and I can, that's not going to help you, okay? You would have to turn to Jesus and ask for Jesus' forgiveness in this case. 
And a lot of these motherfuckers are satanic pieces of shit, and they will never, ever do that. Okay, I don't forgive any of this. I don't. I, I, it's not my role to do so. And I think that this is a good example of where people need to learn a lesson. You know, if we want to claim to be a free society, what happened in 2020 can never happen again. Now, me personally, I don't think it was an accident. I, I think Hanlon's razor is an easy way out for a lot of these motherfuckers. Oh, it was all because Hanlon's razor says it's more likely. Hanlon's razor isn't based on anything but somebody's bullshit idea they squeezed out of their butthole. It's not based on anything. If you want to say that's more likely when it comes to something bad happening, that someone made a mistake, here's what I'll tell you. It's a combo of evil and mistake. You don't know the fractions. Neither does that motherfucker Hanlon, assuming he's still alive. Nobody knows the fraction. Could be mostly evil, a little bit of stupid. Could be mostly stupid, a little bit of evil. And as I said in a recent podcast, at a certain scale, stupid becomes evil. Okay? It really just does. It's kind of like President Biden being within arm's length of the quote-unquote nuclear football. At that scale, I don't give a fuck that he suffers from dementia. Get him away from the fucking football, right? But these are people we, we were told not to question. These were people we were told science always gets it right. People's businesses were destroyed. People's lives were destroyed for a lie. And now we're in the bargaining position of, well, the COVID was kind of real and we all kind of overreacted. No, folks. Nothing about that bullshit was real. I'm not even sure the vaccine injury story is legit. Even though I know people who still parrot that nonsense. They have no basis of proof. All their evidence comes from, <clears throat> excuse me, social media. But they still parrot this nonsense. I don't even know if that's true. What I will tell you is what I told people a couple fucking years ago. You don't need a vaccine for something that doesn't exist. You don't. And if it only exists a little bit and is statistically not a threat, ding, 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 you also don't need a fucking vaccine. Okay? If you want to cling to it was kind of real and, you know... We all kind of got a cold in February, so it must have been the COVID. If you want to cling to some tiny version of the story, I say to you the same I'd say to anybody who's going to the voting booth. G good luck. And fuck you. I don't care. I don't care who you're voting for. It's not going to make a fucking difference. It's going to have zero to do with the results. Even if you vote Republican and the Republicans win, A is not connected to B. I don't give a fuck what you're going to do in that box. I don't care. You can put a mask on at this point. I will simply mock you. I won't put one on, but you can. You can do all that shit. I don't give a fuck. I mean, I'm going back to Seattle, and, and one of the questions I have is, if I go to Uncle Ike's, are they still going to have that ridiculous, absurd, stupid, low-rent fucking trailer park nonsense going on? Are they going to be still doing the mask bullshit? Chances are they probably will. I bet they will. Maybe they won't. I'm going to find out, right? You know, when you give amnesty, you usually give amnesty after people find out the truth. 
that's when you give amnesty. It's not like the president, okay, imagine you're president and you can just give people fucking amnesty. You don't randomly, I hope, go up to people and say, here's a get out of jail free card. I don't give a fuck what you did. I don't care what you're going to do. That's not how it works. If you want me and people like me to forgive, to accept, to somehow be willing to go through a period of like healing, we need to know the fucking truth. And the truth is in every computer system, in every hospital system in the country, no matter how shitty their information systems might be, they might use, you know, some version of that crooked Microsoft Amalga bullshit. They might use Cerner. I don't give a fuck. But the truth is in every insurance company system, every hospital system, it is there. The truth is in the data. Even if they lie, the lies are in the data. It's all there. Okay, we need to know the truth. Me, I think the truth is it never happened and it was a giant mindfuck done on purpose. That's the truth. Just like the BLM race war bullshit that I myself documented with my own eyes, it's government bullshit. 100% government supported, government funded. This is probably the truth. We need to know it. I'm not going to give you any fucking amnesty or forgiveness until we know the truth. But I think we never will. You know, people talk about the collapse of the Soviet Union and all the stuff that was learned afterwards. But that was in a day and age of paper. Okay, we still did a lot with paper back then. I don't think we're ever going to have something like that. I think this stupid, rotten fucking mess is going to fold so fucking quickly that chances are all that shit's going to get burned. And the final escape from Saigon is going to be people taking airlifts out of Washington, D.C. in the fucking donut. And on their way out, they're going to douse every file, every folder. They're going to stick every chip and every drive and any microwave they can find. They will destroy all of it. There will be no babushkas going into the fucking KGB offices, reading the shit, putting old paper back together. That's not going to happen. Okay? When this shit folds, I have no doubt that these motherfuckers will burn everything they can. And most people, best case scenario, will be figuring out how to survive another fucking day. That's probably also the truth. It's not a truth anybody really wants to hear. But it's closer to the truth than they're going to round you up, they're going to put you in FEMA camps, they're going to truck your ass hundreds of miles away to some Costco or Walmart, and you're going to... No. No. They don't have any of the juice to do any of that shit. They can scare you. They can be a lot like the, the folks during the Civil War, you know. They can set up their Quaker guns. They can take a log and paint it black and put it up on the, the ramparts of Richmond, Virginia. But what they can't do is turn the log into an actual artillery piece. Okay, They can make a Quaker gun. They can't make a gun. That is where we're at in the game. It's over for them. They, they don't even know how to solve a problem in a way that would buy them any more time, really, except for, you know, the slow leak Okay, in the Bouncy Castle. And... To close out the podcast, if you want to think about Jerome Powell and his job at the Federal Reserve, he's the dude with the roll of duct tape going around patching up the bouncy castle. That is his job. He, he will never fix the bouncy castle. There is no alternative to the bouncy castle. His job is to slow the fucking leaks. But it's still going to leak. And it's still going to collapse. 
And that's if we're lucky. Because if it's worse than that, number one, I do think we'll find out soon. And number two, <laughs> anything so terrible that the powers that be would spend, you know, now we're on year three almost, would spend three years conducting military psychological warfare on billions of people, anything that would require that is probably not good news. Sorry, brothers and sisters. I wish I could tell you that that kind of lying covers up some nice surprise. It doesn't. And, and because it's a wrecking ball, because the outcome of this, if it doesn't end, is going to be plagues of madness, you don't build anything on it either. You don't. There's nothing going to be built. You know, the funny thing about this amnesty article is it reeks of a kind of entitlement or privilege. It reeks of this attitude that's very prevalent amongst the American elite that somehow, no matter how much they fuck up, they'll get a second chance. America's the home of second chances, right? But here's the thing. You might get a second chance. You might get a third chance. Some people get zero chances. The only person that knows how many chances you're going to fucking get is God. And if you don't believe in God, the answer is no one. So if you want to call America the land of second chances, you go ahead. I don't know how many chances you're going to get. If you're one of these motherfuckers that wrote articles about how you're all wearing your masks on the bus, if you're one of these motherfuckers who went around in Seattle, and I, I met a few of these fuckers, I'm probably going to see a few of them when I go back, who go around and yell at people for not wearing a mask in the hot sun, if you're one of these motherfuckers, all I can tell you is if you want forgiveness, seek it from Jesus. It's like what Dr. Freckles once said. Let Jesus forgive. I'll make sure they keep their appointment. Yeah, it's like what Dr. Freckles once said. Let the Lord in heaven forgive, but I'll make sure that you get a chance to meet him. I don't think we should act out violently. I don't think we should censor people. I don't think we should do to them what was done to us. But this was best case scenario, the nicest way to paint this. This was the illegal home arrest of millions of Americans. Millions of Americans were, were basically put under house arrest. There, other than what happened with the Japanese during World War II, or what happened in the history of slavery and racism in this country, or what's happened to Native Americans, there are very few examples that, that are at the scale. This is at that scale. Okay, They drove people to suicide. They drove people to not treat their cancer, not treat their heart disease. They drove people to death. They scared people to death. You remember that, that old fucking trope, that bullshit coming from the lawyers? You, you can't scream fire in a crowded theater. That's what they fucking did. And the lawyers helped out. They threw their own coals on the fire. So yeah, 
You know, if you're, <laughs> I, I keep circling back to, if you're thinking you're going to go vote next week and all this gets fixed, you're a fucking crazy person. You really are. But that's your business, baby. Your business. Me personally, I can't get the forgiveness until I get the truth. And then I can try to forgive. You know, I met some people in recent years, in the last five or six years, and sometimes I think those connections were not random. But I've met some real con artists in recent years. And one of the things some of these con artists would say, well, you have to forgive me. You have to forgive me. No matter how much of a big piece of shit fucker I am, you have to forgive me. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters, I cannot forgive if I do not know what was done. I cannot forgive if I do not know the truth. There is no way to do that. Jesus never said, randomly forgive people. He never said that. He said, forgive. I don't think he meant it in some random way. You could say, well, didn't he do that on the cross? Jesus knew every sin, every pain, everything he took to the cross. That was the weight of his burden, was also the knowledge of what he, in his act, was forgiving. So I cannot forgive these people. I don't know what they did. I can suspect. I can surmise. I can tell you what I think they did and what they're still doing. But until we have the truth, there's nothing to forgive. We can't do it. And here's what's most important. This motherfucker from the Atlantic. These psyops have not ended. These psyops have not stopped. So you know another way you can get to this forgiveness Stop doing this wretched nonsense to people. Stop mind-fucking them. It's not going to stop, but that's how you can ask for forgiveness. You know, I got a little angry there, but I can only simplify. And I'll simplify and say this. If you intend to forgive somebody, then you should at least have a knowledge of what you're doing. Like, what are you forgiving? There's no blind forgiveness. It's like someone who comes up to you and says, I have something to tell you. It was really bad. But before I do, you have to forgive me. It's like, no, you, I have free will. Okay, the Lord also gave me a choice to forgive. It's a choice. You don't forgive at the point of a gun. That's not forgiveness. Yeah, if someone points a gun at you and says, forgive me, you might, just to stay alive, say, I forgive you. But the Lord knows your intention. Forgiveness is an act, a free act, an act that is chosen. But you don't get any points from Jesus if you forgive people out of fear. So you want me to forgive somebody? I got to know what they did. You want me to be one of these fuckers who gives you amnesty? I want you to tell us the fucking truth. And if you're still parroting this, it was kind of true, it kind of happened, there was kind of a Wuhan thing, there's another limited hangout over here. If you're still parroting this nonsense that any of it was real, 
then no, there's no getting to forgiveness yet. You're still fucking lying. You're still doing harm. You're still killing people with your lies. So no, sorry. Sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Atlantic. Sorry, Emily. Fuck you. There's no amnesty. There's no forgiveness. We don't know the truth yet, and it probably doesn't matter. And if you think there's a rule of law, again, I think you're a kook. Okay? You might think I'm crazy. If you think there's a rule of law, I, I at least know someone crazier. It's now Friday. It's Friday. And it's 1.11 a.m. That's right. Every time you see an 11, you're supposed to do something with numerology. You know, it's Friday. Friday, November the 4th, 2022. In the age of Bo Blimp Duck, baby. And we're drifting away to sleepy land. But if you're someplace out there in the future, on the East Coast or in Europe, and, and you're already in your morning time, waking up on this Friday, having some bangers and mash someplace in the UK, I have no fucking clue what they do there now. If you're out there someplace in France, or maybe even Germany, God forbid the Ukraine, and you're just getting up to this good morning, remember, it's Friday. And you know, you may not know how to forgive, but everybody can learn how to get drunk. Mm -hmm.